Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Tomorrow marks the 25th anniversary of singer-songwriter Lisa Loeb's hit song, I Do, on October 14, 1997. I spoke to Loeb in 2017 when she performed at the Amp by Strathmore in North Bethesda, Maryland. Hey, it's Lisa Loeb. Hey, it's so nice to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Now, a lot of our listeners might not know, um, I mean, I know you grew up in, in Dallas, but some of our local listeners might not know you were born in Bethesda. Uh, how I know. At the Naval, it used to be, I think it used to be called the Naval Hospital when I was born. Um, yeah, my dad was, um, my dad's a doctor, and he was doing some of his training there in Bethesda, and I, that's where I was born. That's so great. How, how long did you actually live here? Do you actually remember it, or did you move I to I don't. Okay. I, I have a vague memory of, of allergies and cherry blossoms from D.C., <laughs> but I, I was like two years old or one year. I was very little. But I still feel a, a connection to it. You know, I can't help it. That's where I was born. <laughs> was the cherry blossom, the wa- allergies, the watery eyes, did that, did that inspire the cat eye specs? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure, but I definitely had a, a little bit of a... Uh, watery eye look when I was a kid. <laughs> when I was a baby, I had so many allergies. But the but, but they are so beautiful. Those cherry blossoms. Absolutely, they look like pink popcorn. <laughs> That's a good way to describe it, actually. Yeah, they're beautiful. That's so great. Um, all right. Well, um, some of our some of your big fans might have a watery eye look when they get to see you. They'll be so excited to see you. So you're doing two shows uh, at AMP. It's a cool, intimate venue, so it's a good chance to see you up close. Um, I guess let's before before we go into your main show, tell, tell me about the kids concert you're doing in the afternoon. Yeah, well, I'm doing two shows, and I started doing kids music about wow, 15 years ago or something like that, and. Um, and, and it turns out, weirdly, I, I end up playing some of my kids' music in my grown-up shows because grown-ups tend to really like them. It, it's just funny, fun stories, nice. um, classic kid songs, some summer camp songs. Um, and I, so I'm going to be playing a bunch of songs uh, from my summer camp record, Camp Lisa, my newest. I don't usually do classic kids' songs like nursery rhymes, but I did do a whole collection of it after I realized when I played. I'd, like, pull out a little ABCs or Twinkle Twinkle, you know, to fill out my set sometimes um, when I couldn't remember all those all the crazy words I had in my other songs. And kids loved hearing the basic, basic classic songs. So I made a whole album of that for Amazon. It's exclusively available on Amazon. And you can get ready for the concert by streaming those songs for free off of Amazon Prime. A bunch of videos. I know kids like to watch music as well. There's tons of videos we made for that. As well as my next record for Amazon called Feel What You Feel, which it's all about kindness and good values and and really living your life and appreciating the small things in your life and the people in it. Oh, that's great. But it sounds like just a kind of a, 
a record. It doesn't really sound like a kid's record. But so I'll be playing some songs from that, and then even a couple of songs from my newest record called Lullaby Girl, which turns out it's more of like a standards album. It's coming out this week on October 6th, but it's got some jazz standards. It's got a bunch of classics like Ooh Child, which was popular in the 70s. And um, Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow and Rainbow Connection. And it's, uh, so I might play some of those at my kids' concert. I definitely will play some of those at the grown-up concert later. But I think, it, you know, it, it'll be fun for kids of all ages, and it's very um, interactive. I'm, I'll be sort of keeping an eye on who's in the audience and figuring out what songs would be most fun to play. Now, a lot of us that have followed your music career might not be up on your, your connection with the kids, but you, you've been doing some Disney Junior shows, right? Doc McStuffins, and, a, and I think there was another one you did, too. Yeah, that's a separate thing. I do a lot of voiceovers and um, okay. sometimes TV commercials and sometimes animated shows like Doc McStuffins or Jake and the Neverland Pirates. Right. Um, and it's really fun to be in the studio sort of utilizing my acting <laughs> skills, which I, I was an actress growing up. Um, you know, that was something I really enjoyed doing. And, and just being in the studio is so familiar to me. It's really fun. And actually, I have a new animated series coming out, which I don't do a voice on it, but I wrote all the music for a series called If You Give a Mouse a Cookie, oh, which yeah. is a great kids book. And they've done a series, um, again, on Amazon coming out in the fall. But Again, that's a whole separate project. But anyway, yeah, I love I, – I, it's funny. I started doing kids' music, though, less because I loved kids or kids' music and more because I think I just – I'm a child of the 70s and the 80s, and I wanted to make the kind of stuff that I used to listen to when I was a kid, which basically was like pop music and popular television in the 70s, you know, like the Donnie and Marie show and, um, I don't know, different songs we listened to like Rock the Boat and – uh all the soft pop hits of, of, of all the different artists, they were kind of kid-friendly in a way, or I'd like to teach the world to sing, which became a Coca-Cola commercial. You know, I wanted to make <laughs> stuff like that, and it turned out the genre of that is called kids' music. That's, it became a Coke commercial and the ending of Mad Men. So there you go. Yes, which was the Coke commercial. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The call uh, comes full circle. Yeah, exactly. All right, cool. Well, sorry. Right. So there you go. Come out during the afternoon if you got, you know, if you got to bring the whole family, you got some kids, and then uh, come stick around for the for the main event Sunday night. What can we expect to to hear at that one? Is it going to be stuff from No Fairy Tale? I know that one. Yeah. I put out a record, No Fairy Tale, a few years ago with that I made with Chad Gilbert from the band Newfound Glory. He, mm-hmm. he makes poppy, punky rock music, and we made that record together, and Tegan and Sarah appear on it as well. So I'll be playing some songs from that. And also, I just, you know, it's funny, I still sell CDs and sign them after shows. Um, some of us still listen to CDs, but one of the CDs I sell is the very best of Lisa Loeb. <laughs> and on that, you'll hear uh, a lot of songs that I'll be playing at my concerts. I play, I, to me, it feels current, you know, playing songs from my first album, Tales, and my next record, Firecracker. I definitely play the songs that you have heard on the radio of mine, because um, I know for myself, when I go see a band, that's, that's what I want to hear, you know, the songs that I'm familiar with. And then I always play requests. Um, as well of my own music, and I'll be playing some songs off of my upcoming record that's coming out October 6th. Um, so, or, you know, it's just coming out. So, um, yeah, it'll be a real variety. Also, by the way, in my kids' concert, if if somebody does request one of my grown-up songs, like regular songs, I often will play that too. But they have to request it. I won't naturally just burst out and to stay unless there's a grown-up who's holding up their hand and they want to hear it. 
<laughs> awesome. That's cool. Hey, take me back. Um, you kind of talked about a, a little bit about um, sort of the the music you listened to as 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 a kid. But um, what 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 other bands sort of inspired you as you became more seriously into music? I mean, I was serious into music ever since I was a little kid. Ever since I can remember, everything from sitting on my dad's lap while he listening to the radio and listening to. Um, what the World Needs Now by Burt Backrack, which I did cover on my new record. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bee Gees, Olivia Newton-John. Um, and then as I moved along, I mean, I, I love Led Zeppelin ever since I was a little kid. And kind of like the dramatic songs like Dream On by Aerosmith, um, Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. I love the Beatles. Right. I loved um, Sgt. Pepper. And this is all talking about like up to second grade or so. Right, right. <laughs> and then after that, I got into tons of other bands like The Who. I love Bowie, David, um, Old Elton John. Um, uh, the Police was one of my big influences that made me want to be in a band right. when I started playing guitar. Um, and then I, I love some of the new wave stuff like The Go-Go's and... Um, Thomas Dolby, the Flat Earth Record, and some more experimental stuff like Brian Eno, ambient music, and um, and then I started getting into some of the more songwriter type of musicians like Ricky Lee Jones and Lyle Lovett, um, The Cure, I love The Cure and The Smiths, uh, but there's just so many bands, and I was a huge record collector, I had like a thousand records, and I used to be a DJ, and I, I just, there's just so much music I love out there, um, Prince, Things you might think would influence me and some things you might not. Sure, awesome. Yeah, all the greats. I want to know about Brown University, your band Liz and Lisa, and Duncan Sheik was your guitarist? Yeah, my friend Elizabeth Mitchell, who you might know, she's a big kids artist as well. Like uh, She does records with the Smithsonian Institute record label, and um, she also has a band called Ida, which is a very popular indie band. Um, she and I were freshman roommates, and then we put a band together at the end of college, um, we were looking for a great, great guitar player for a band. And this one guy came along. He had no guitar case. He had a red Strat, I think, Stratocaster. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of shoulder-length hair. It was the 90s. But, but like clean-cut, kind of Euro, you know? Yeah. Like New Order or something, <laughs> which I also loved. Um, and he played so well. And it was Duncan Sheik. And he was in my band for a while um, before we graduated. And he's just, he's always been such a talented musician and it makes amazing music and um, just really an artist, you know, and I was really lucky that, that we got to play together in college. Absolutely. Well, my listeners are going to kill me if I don't ask you at least one question about Stay. <laughs> do, of or, course. Do you remember, yeah, no, do you remember the song. Do you remember writing it? Like, what, how did you come up with it? Yeah, I do. I actually was, um, I always have an image of me sitting on a, a mattress on the floor because that's what, that used to be like the cool thing to do, to put your mattress on the floor. Yeah. Um, but I remember being in the middle of an argument, but at the same time, an argument with a boyfriend, like, you know, just that kind of ongoing argument. Um, but I remember somebody had asked me from BMI, which is a place that collects your royalties when you're played on the radio mm-hmm. and other places. They, they know a lot about what's going on in the music industry. And they said, somebody from there told me that Daryl Hall from Hall & Oates was mm-hmm. looking for music for a solo record. And I thought, ooh, I want to try to write a song for Daryl Hall. I've never written for anybody else. And so I started writing a song that I thought was kind of a little bit R&B tinged, like some of the really popular Hall & Oates songs like Rich Girl or Sarah Smile. Mm-hmm. I started writing that guitar part, the, the kind of the groove, and putting lyrics to it and singing about something that felt personal because I wanted to write a Hall & Oates song. And halfway through that, I found out Daryl Hall was not looking for music anymore. But um, I continued along those lines. 
And I was finishing up, I went to uh, Berkeley Music School, summer school, and I was finishing up the song while I was there in Boston. And I had this great singer as a roommate um, who sang kind of like Whitney Houston, just this amazing R&B voice. And I thought, ooh, i got to make this song, and maybe she can sing it. And it ended up she didn't want to sing it. But that kind of inspired me, I think, throughout the writing process. And that's how I wrote that song. Gotcha. And is it is it true that Ethan Hawke helped get it to Ben Stiller and that helped it oh, take yeah, off? Oh, yeah, totally. Ethan was one of my friends. Um, I, I had met him through another friend of mine who was an actor from college. I went to Brown University, and there were a lot of actors. But this one friend, Josh Hamilton, had been in the movie Alive with Ethan. And so when I got to New York, I met this whole group of guys who were in the movie Alive. It's about a soccer team. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, in addition to that, all the guys who had been in uh, Dead Poets Society. So there were a lot of guy actors around. And needless to say, in New York City. But Ethan and I ended up being uh, neighbors as well, and we just we really connected. And again, here's he's another person who's a real artist and a sort of poet, and looks at life in that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, we really connected. And we used to go to brunch and hang out. And I wrote music for his theater company, and a group of us all supported each other and went to go see each other play music and plays and movies and you name it. And um, so anyway, Ethan was making a movie and he said, can I pass along a copy of your song stay, which I had been playing at my concerts um, in New York city that he would come to. And I, I, we had just recorded it in an apartment in New York city and I gave him a cassette tape with the music on it. And he really loved it. And he gave it to Ben Stiller to listen to. And Ben ended up putting it in the movie and um, it ended up on the soundtrack and the rest is history. Absolutely. I think I was reading on, on it was AMP's website, the, the, you know, the place you're going to do the show, that they, I think they said that, that it was the song made you the first pop musician to have a number one single without a, a contract yet? Exactly, yeah. I mean, I will say that um, I had an amazing radio promoter over there, Skip Bishop, who I'm still friendly with, and, um, and the song was on the soundtrack for RCA Records, but it was not signed to a label. Gotcha. And so it was independent. Um, you know, I'm sort of an independent person. I like to do things in a different way, usually, <laughs> and the way I want to do them. And uh, so it was great to have a song on a record, and the, it, the success of it has really just enabled me to travel the world, play everywhere, meet everybody, do everything, continue to do everything. It really it was a great um, it was a great kickstart to the professional part of my career. Yeah, so that you know you're you're huge after that, and don't have to worry about getting recording contracts. After that, you're you know you're in demand. Tell me about writing. I do. Yeah, well, it, it was funny too, by the way, with the song "Stay," because I had been um, so close to getting record deals along the way, and and knew so many people in the industry. That was part of becoming a musician was not only working on my songwriting craft and performing all the time and making recordings for years and years, but also just meeting all these up and coming uh, music industry folks and A and R folks, and all of a sudden, all those people who were coming to my concerts and wanted to sign me, their bosses were now interested. And their bosses were like, wait, wait remember that girl you told me you wanted me to sign? You know, like they were right. they're like, oh, I see what you're talking about. Um, so that was very funny. Um, the song I do is, was, uh, I felt, it was funny, when I was making my record for the album Firecracker, I made the record and I was really excited about it and, I, I couldn't believe all of a sudden I was in one of those VH1 behind the music things where uh, the record label was saying, okay, well, can you write a single now? I was like, are you kidding me? You're asking me to go in and write a single. You have a whole album full of catchy tracks. Like, wh- how can you be asking me to do this? And I sat at a under, actually right underneath and near a conference table in a room at a hotel in Los Angeles 
at the beach called the Low Santa Monica Hotel. And I sat and I wrote that song, and it was really originally about the record company saying, you know, I wrote a single, you can't hear it, but I do. You know, it was really about the, the record company. Gotcha. Never knew that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, It's interesting. I heard a Sarah Bareilles track, that song, I'm, I'm Not Going to Write You a Love Song. And the first time I heard that song, I thought, oh, same story. And I looked it up on Wikipedia, and it was the same story. It was a record company asking her to, you know, sort of repeat herself and, and write a song that she had already written, and she didn't want to do that. So it's interesting how you can channel different situations and feelings into uh, love songs. Hey, whatever inspires it, and we'll take it. Exactly. Uh, awesome. Well, we could go through so many of your songs, but you've been more than generous with your time, so we'll let you lose. Thanks so much for calling in. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. We'll bring Thanks. you back to your hometown. Thank you. <laughs> All right. See ya. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.